New Orleans, 1918. A string of brutal attacks plagued the city. The perpetrator breaks in at night, using items found in the home to attack the unsuspecting victims. In 1918, most homes had an axe. The public panic had spread like wildfire, but that panic turned to confusion when someone claiming to be the Axeman sent a letter. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose house a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for the people. One thing is certain, and that is some of those persons who do not jazz on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. This is the story of the Axeman. Hello, and welcome to Reading the Room. I'm your host, Adam West, and this is a Psychic Exploration. And you can't have a Psychic Exploration without psychics, so let me introduce my co-hosts. First, I'd like to introduce Pam. Hello, Pam. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. And we're joined, as always, by Kate. Hello, Kate. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm great. How are you? I heard you just moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I moved to Florida. Um, yeah, there wasn't enough sunshine and oranges and alligators and uh, all that in my life. So I had to, to upgrade to Florida. Wonderful. Uh, I've been to Florida a few times and I've always enjoyed my stay there. What's your favorite thing about living in Florida so far? Oh, uh, the my favorite thing about living in Florida so far is that um, if I do something insane now, I, I will be referred to as Florida man. Nice. That's true. Yeah, I'm That's Florida true. man now. Yeah. Oh. I thought if you did something crazy in Florida, you'd be referred to that yeah. other guy who's doing something crazy. I got to tell you really quickly, I'm excited for you because I know your location, that you might be able to spot Casey Anthony. Oh, cool. Oh, great. I'm, I'll keep an eye out in traffic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And if you, is that Casey? No. You know, is that Casey? No. Is that Casey? No. And if you do see Casey, Casey Anthony, you you could spill the drink on her or something. Yeah, I will. I I promise you, if I ever see Casey Anthony, I'm going to spill a drink on her. Yeah. Just make sure it's really her, though. <laughs> this poor girl looks like so much like her. Splash, you like, monster! <laughs> I'm not. I don't even look like Casey Anthony. You asshole. <laughs> You could just use it as an excuse. Like, it's getting on your nerves. It's Casey Anthony! And they're like, what? I work with you. I've worked with you for six months. If I ever accidentally pour a drink on someone, I'm going to then immediately accuse them of being Casey Anthony, too. Oh my God, I'm so. I'm a guard! What? What? 
<laughs> That'll show them. Well, we've got a very interesting case today. X-Men! 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 And now X has a guitar! <laughs> you, like, to know that you made your riff and you're like you know what nope i need a little i need a little kiss at the end of this <laughs> x-man the x-man um was a person who killed people during 2007 <laughs> i'm sorry 1917 to 1918 and he may or may not have killed people before that and their the crimes may not have been um contributed to this crime spree it's kind of hard to tell when somebody's crime spree actually turns into something because they i guess the the police go by the mo right and if you haven't really developed your mo yet then and that's modus latin motherfuckers learn it yeah 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 oh we're gonna go back to mo anyway um so if you haven't really developed that, I mean, feel like a lot of these um, serial killers, like, they probably killed beforehand, but things are not going to be contributed to them. But when you do it the exact same way, the exact, uh, during a period of time, it's kind of obvious. It's like any art, uh, your early work, you're kind of embarrassed by as you're, like, learning how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then once you... Um, once you feel mm-hmm. confident in it, that's when you really want to start to claim it. Yes. Very true. Yeah, and then you get cocky and you write you write letters to the newspaper and you're like, "It's me." I'm gonna, I'm gonna Jack the Ripper or <laughs> the X Man. I'm Dennis Rader. Yeah, I'm gonna make a whole cipher. <laughs> yeah, fucking nerd. Yeah, yeah, and nobody can figure it out. Yeah, yeah. X Man was. Uh, <laughs> I'm so special. Nolans, he's a Nolans fella, right? Mm-hmm. He is, yes, That's he true. is. I, I'll, I'll start us out by just saying that um, the timeline starts. They think the timeline started in December seventeenth, nineteen seventeen, um, and the fa- first family they really contribute the attack to was uh, Epifanio and Alina, and his two sons were attacked um, at three a.m. on December twenty second, so right before Christmas, and Anna and Alina. Woke up to to a man demanding money. He hit her husband, Epifanio, with an axe in the head four times. Oh, shit. That's a lot of times for an axe. He aimed a pistol at her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, gonna, not a good day. Uh, he, he held a pistol and told her to remain silent. Now, this will be like the first time that we're going to hear about him using a pistol. And it's I think it's the last time that we're going to hear about him, too, having a pistol with him. Um, he ran from the room to attack her two sons, John 14 and Salvador 13. And then he fled through the kitchen. Lucky the boys weren't really, um, really hurt very badly. Um, in fact, we have on our website, you're going to be able to see the X-Man Prezi. So that'll be connected if you want to see any of the pictures any of the accounts, um, newspaper clippings and stuff. That kid's not hurt the, that bad? It looks so like he's got a hole in his head. the father and sons, luckily they... Yeah, it looks like a hole in his head. Is that not a hole in his... 
I mean, like he's able to stand. It's not a huge hole in his head. That is a hole in his head. It's, it's a big hole in his head, <laughs> and it looks pretty deep. It's like the size. Oh. It looks Actually, like the size of like a half dollar, right? He just gouged out a piece of brain. That's okay. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, look at the other kid, though. Look at that. Look at the that other, other kid. Face. Was a fighter. And other kids, the yeah, reason they're not yeah. dead. He looks. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. But let me tell you, yeah, you're going to have to look at the Prezi because these pictures. Anyway, the father and son, they all survived in the um, assailant. Um, they realized had made entrance to um, into the home by chiseling through a panel door. So now this is an MO from the from the Axeman. So imagine a door and that it's got panels in it because it's an older door. And what this guy would do is he'd take a little chisel and he'd chisel one of the one of the panels in the door and then he'd squeeze through it, which is kind of interesting because any kind of people who's any kind of people, when people saw him, they would say he was a pretty big guy. So he must have been a pretty good squeezer to get through those panel doors. Any kind of person that saw him said he was a big guy. <laughs> any kind of person. Any kind of person who's What gone. kind of panels were they? <laughs> well, so they were they were wood panels. So it was like a kind of a more <laughs> that's pretty traditional size. Door door. And then <laughs> what size? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> we're not door experts, Kate. Stop asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't do doors. <laughs> so kind kind of like a more ornate door, Katie. <laughs> Go look at your front door. You might have an ornate door that has has panels in it. All right. <laughs> Those New Orleans houses, they have character. Oh, yes. Yeah. But wait, you know, I shouldn't really call them houses because most of them are attached to um, the back of like a grocery store because most everybody who was attacked was attacked um, was uh, people who lived and um, owned a grocery store and it was kind of a all living grocery store like there was apartment behind it anyway but i'm getting a, i'm getting before myself so that is the first attack on the andalina family and luckily a kid got a hole in the head but other than that say, luckily got a hole in his head luckily for us because we like seeing luckily holes in that's heads. i don't i don't know really how bad the dad was like it said that he went and he had to go to the hospital I'm assuming the kid did too, since there's a big picture of a hole in his head. But I mean, I'm glad that none of them died. So lucky that's all that happened. Well, Joseph and Catherine Maggio were attacked in the night on May 23rd, 1918. They had their throats cut by a straight razor that belonged to Andrew Maggio, Joseph's brother. They were also bludgeoned with an axe. They were found by Andrew Maggio. He became the main suspect to the murder and was arrested. However, he would later be released due to lack of evidence. So one thing about the axe man is that he only used things um, he found in the people's homes. So the straight razor belonged to the Maggios and to the brother, and then he found an axe. Oh, so he didn't provide so his own axe? He's called the axe man. He didn't bring bring his own axe from home? 
Mm-mm. No, these are the days where everybody just had axes sitting around, like the Lizzie Borden days. Just tons of axes. Um, I want to tell you really quickly, um, and straight racers. Like, if you're going to, if you don't want a beard, that's what you got to deal with, straight racers. Um, the brother was accused, and I feel like it's because he, he, he found them. Mm-hmm. Be cautious of who you find, like, because they might come after you for that. They often like, oh, you found a dead body? What were you doing? So, anyway. <laughs> there's also on this Prezi, there's a picture of how this person snuck into their home. He chiseled his way through the door and how he got out. And, of course, it's connected again to um, they had a grocery store and bar. So, um, anyway. So, he actually killed these people. They should have called this guy Chisel Man. Chisel Man. Yeah. Well, he brought a chisel. Yeah. They should have said it with a stutter so they could call him ch ch chisel man. You know, um, this guy, like, he, he broke into people's houses while they were sleeping. So, I mean, like, when you do that, that's so creepy, like, to wake up and there's somebody there to kill you. You don't really have a lot of reaction time, so. That's a good point. It is creepy when people break into your house to kill you. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like top three for me at least. That's the worst kind. But <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to know what top two and top one were. <laughs> Those are the worst nights when people do that. Uh, so that leads to our next one, uh, June twenty eighth, nineteen eighteen. So this is about uh, four weeks later ish. Yeah, Louis Bessemer and Harriet Lowe are attacked on June twenty eighth, nineteen eighteen. John Zenka. A baker making morning deliveries found Louis Bessemer and Harriet Anna Lowe after brutal axe murder. It was apparent that a panel in the door had been removed with a chisel and there was a bloody axe left in the yard. Well, I mean, at least he didn't steal the axe. Yeah. He's a killer, not a stealer. It's like, I have I set certain standards for myself. I know they're very unusual for you, but they're how I live my life. <laughs> The police arrest an African-American man, a new employee at the Bessemer store. Eventually, the police released him when they had no evidence to charge him. Yep, that's how that works. Um, why'd you mm-hmm. arrest him if he didn't have any charge? Uh, Anna had claimed to be Louis Bessemer's wife, and when Bessemer left the hospital, he let everyone know, the woman is not my wife. This led to a moral scandal. In the meantime, while Anna was in the hospital, she told the police that she thought Louis was a German spy. <laughs> that's my husband and he's a spy <laughs> Germany <laughs> on investigation police found letters written in German Yiddish and Russian at the Mesmer residence he was arrested but released two days later before her death Anna claimed that it was Bessemer who attacked her the old the old switcheroo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was arrested, went to trial, and was acquitted on May 1st, 1919. Her story had changed multiple times. It's interesting that he came out of the hospital and he's like, that woman's not my wife. And he, she's like, he's a spy. He's a spy. <laughs> so I wonder if she would have kept her mouth quiet if he would have never said anything about, she's not my wife. And then there was a write-up about, you know, that she was immoral for living with him. Did so? Did he come out and say that first? Did she claim he was a spy first? Mm-mm. He came out and said that woman's not my wife. Don't write that. Yeah, that ah. woman's not my wife. 
No way. <laughs> In fact, they said that I don't know when he moved to New Orleans. I get the impression that it was fairly. Um, uh, it wasn't long after he moved to New Orleans that this happened, and they had only met three weeks prior. So he feels like he, you're going to be talking about my life. I want you to clarify this woman, not my wife. So <laughs> I would want that clarified too if I knew someone for three weeks. They're like, that's my spouse. Uh, no, I ain't. <laughs> no, no, no. no I'm going to be in the newspaper once in my whole life. Get the facts straight. Yeah. I'm not married yeah. to that woman. <laughs> I'm letting her live here. So. But it was interesting that as soon as she he said that, it was like, oh, I, I think he's a spy. And I think he sh- he did this to me. So, I mean, like, um, seems like a little revenge there. On August 5th, 1918, uh, Mary Schneider is attacked. And um, this is the only time that I've, I've heard of him attacking during the daytime. But it says that her husband, Ed, found her um, in the afternoon. And that she had been attacked by the axe man. Um, and it says that not only was she alive, but she gave birth a week later to a healthy baby girl. Wow. Yeah. Little axe miracle. Little axe Yeah, little axe miracle. Yes. Yeah. So um, that is one tough woman, right? Yes. yes. Can you imagine just for the so rest he- of her life? Um Every time she's like, take take the garbage out. And he's like, I don't really. She's like, I was, I survived an axe attack. So you're going to take the trash out. <laughs> See our baby Axel? <laughs> <laughs> Little baby Axel. <laughs> you're going to take the, you're going to take the trash out. So, um, on August 10th, 1918. So this he, is five days later, right? Like he's yeah, starting to speed yeah. up now. Yeah, he's excited. He can't wait to do another one. Because before it would be like a a month, it'd be weeks or whatever, like two months before the last yeah. one. This is five days. Mm-hmm. This is five days. Picking up some confidence. Yeah. 80-year-old Joseph Romano was attacked on the night of August 10th, 1918. His nieces heard a commotion, and his niece Pauline Bruno said that a man ran from her uncle's bedroom. She said he was tall, heavy set, but very agile. He wore a dark suit and a slouch hat. Joseph was sent to Charity Hospital, but died shortly thereafter. They found a bloody axe in the yard. This attack made the police finally begin to believe that the attacks may all be related, in spite of the fact that they had Louis Bessemer locked up for the murder of Anna Lowe. The police considered a potential mafia link but doubted it as the mafia had a reputation for not harming women or children. It's funny because I read, you know, the, about this mafia link and that, that this police officer said that, you no, know, the mafia doesn't hurt women or children. And then not too long into the story, there's going to be a situation where they're like, it's a mafia and they attack to children. So I definitely feel like, um, you know, maybe that's his personal opinion or maybe they're talking about different. There was different mafias. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, and the um, you know, for him to attack an eighty-year-old little old man, not very brave. Not very strong. Right? If you gotta attack an eighty-year-old. Yeah, 
But I love um, he was tall, heavy set, but very agile. He was fast so. for a fat man. <laughs> yes. And he squeezed through that little little chiseled hole like Santa Claus. He had a silly little slouch hat on, but he sure could kill him. <laughs> yeah. And he wore his Sunday best to do it. I think it's interesting that people all wore like suits back in the day. And you look at the depression and everybody's wearing suits and stuff. And I wish that they would make men wear suits like that all the time now. It is quite dapper. Yes. They would they would yeah. make people wear suits. mandated suits. <laughs> mandated yeah, suits. suits. Every citizen gets a suit. Every every citizen wears their suit on Sundays. It's suit Sunday. Yeah. No. No. Every day. Every day. Oh, every, Forget oh. suits. Every day. Every day you have to wear a suit just like they did in the old days, and a hat. But you can have three or four picks of hats. <laughs> But if they do that, I'm going to insist that they give you a zoot suit. So <laughs> I'm always more of a trilby guy than a bowler. Yeah, yeah. The re- retired detective, <laughs> the retired detective John D'Antonio, spoke publicly regarding the similarities of the murders, as reason to assume the attacks had been done by the same perpetrator. Yeah, chiseled in, leaves the axe. Mm-hmm. That's this guy's hardly doing any accent, man. He, I mean, he's killing people with them, but then he le- like doesn't even seem like he wants it. You know, it spends. He probably spends a lot more time chiseling than he does anything Seriously, else. Seriously, yeah, chisel, chisel, dude. How long would it take to chisel out a panel? All right, let's find out. Hold on. <laughs> we can find out. Holy shit, that took a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> I am sweating. I, I am very sweaty. Yeah, right. And I bet it makes you want to just kill somebody with an axe now. I, yeah. Well, when I chiseled through, it was pretty satisfying. Uh, getting through the little hole, that's where the murder really, intent really came through. <laughs> oh my God, wouldn't it have been great if he just got stuck in the hole? <laughs> with an axe in his hand? <laughs> This story would have ended a whole lot different. What were you doing, sir? Uh, I found this axe, and I, I just wanted to come in here and uh, return it to them. Return it? Well, you're wearing that. You're wearing that door like a belt. <laughs> <laughs> D'Antonio described the potential killer as an individual of dual personalities who killed without motive. This type of individual, D'Antonio stated, could very likely have been a normal, law-abiding citizen who was often overcome by an overwhelming desire to kill. He later went on to describe the killer as a real-life Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. This individual was also compared to Jack the Ripper. Old Jackie boy gets his finger in everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was only, like, when you think about the times, this was only 30 years after Jack, right? Yeah. It's like uh, um, Nevermind it- came out 30 years ago. Wow. Um, and in light of um, the current atmosphere, uh, a lot of people, a lot of men sat up all night, like with guns waiting, waiting for the axe man to try to chisel through. Oh. Come to my house, axe man. What I feel like, Dan- I feel like D'Antonio was talking about was like our current um, serial killers. Somebody who has like an urge to kill. Yeah. 
And then um, on March 10th, the Cordomiglia family is attacked. Um, and this one's pretty sad. The Cordomiglia family was attacked um, the night of March 10th, 1919. Charles and Rose, Rose both obtained skull fractures but survived the attacks. However, their two-year-old daughter, Mary, did not survive um, an attack because she's a little two-year-old. It's terrible. It's sad. They were, yeah, they were found by their neighbors and rival grocery store owners, I. Orlando and his son, Frank Giardano. They had heard a commotion and came to the aid of the Cormiglia family. Rose told police that the Giordanos had been their attackers. Her husband, Charles, adamantly denied his wife's accusations, and the Giordanos were arrested on May 26, 1919, after a five-day trial. They were found guilty. I, Orlando, the father, was given a life sentence, and his son, Frank, was sentenced to hang. Oh, no. Right? This is terrible. This is and terrible. then Charles Cordomigla divorced his wife shortly after the trial because he was like, she's lying. She's lying. This did not happen. And um, in December of 1920, so, you know, quite a while, a year later, Rose came forward and admitted that her accusations were false and that she was motivated by resentment that the Giordano's had a rival grocery store. And her admission uh, was not met by uh, understanding by the prosecutors. They were like, um, you stick to your original story or we're going to charge you. We're going to charge you with perjury. But she didn't. And eventually they let the Giordano's go. If you enjoy the the show um, and you feel like doing it, you know, rating and reviewing, it, it's really helpful for us. We really appreciate that as well. If you love us so much and you need more content, you can always follow our social media. Um, all our link tree. It is reading the room pod pretty much across the board. Just keep going to social medias and put it in and see if we're there. I bet, I bet you'll find us crushing it. We will. And please, <laughs> and to watch, to watch our Prezi that we made, go to um, reading the room dot live and um, check it out. Yeah, these Prezies, um, they they put so much effort into these. They're so awesome and a great way um, to follow exactly all of this. The detail that they put into this is awesome to see pictures and videos that they kind of flush out the story completely for you. If you are super awesome and you want to um, support us on Patreon to help make more episodes, that's super helpful. You can always contact us um, if you have questions or comments or just want to say mm-hmm. hi. Or if you want a reading. Um, reading the room. We can do a personal reading yep. for you or on any subject you're interested in or just about your whole life. Um, that's what Kate and I do for a living anyway. And mostly, we super duper appreciate all of you guys listening. And we always look forward to um, to making these podcasts and to looking at the numbers. So we would love it if you wrote to us. Just to say hi. And as always,
Thank you. 